He showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it, on either side of the river, was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. There shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it. His servants shall serve him, and they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. And there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun. For the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. And he said unto me, These sayings are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must shortly be done. Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of this book. And I, John, saw these things and heard them. And when I had heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel which showed me these things. Then saith he unto me, See thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant of thy brethren the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book. Worship God. And he saith unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. He which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life, and may enter in through the gates into the city. For without are dogs, and sorcerers, and whoremongers, and murderers, and idolaters, and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, Come. Let him that heareth say, Come. Let him that is a thirst come. Whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Even, Amen. Even so come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the privilege and opportunity we have to open your precious word. Father, I pray tonight as we look into the word of God and consider this chapter in your revelation of yourself. I pray that you would encourage us and challenge us, strengthen us in our walk with you. And Father, just help us to, to be encouraged, to occupy, to be busy in your service until our Lord comes for us. And as he says, even so come Lord Jesus. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I've titled, I get a title this tonight. I had a little bit of struggle with titling it. So I just titled it The Righteousness of Our God. And I've got three things I want to notice, particularly from this chapter. You know, when you come to the book of Revelation, there's some parts of it it's kind of hard to explain because he doesn't give us details. He gives us enough to know what we need to know. And, you know, the rest, well... We don't, want, we don't need to know it. Uh, if you want to speculate, you can speculate. And lots of books have been written about speculation, but they aren't worth much. I'll just tell you that. 
because uh, a lot of it's speculation. But <clears throat> I think there's a reminder here of the righteousness of God, again, in verses 1 through 6. And he describes things, everything that he describes is pure. It's incorruptible. It's undefiled. And, you know, we see, first of all, in verse 1, he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. Now, there's a lot of people in our world today are talking about how our rivers are polluted, and and you know, and they and they they want to, you know, they're 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 striving for clean streams and all that, and and so on and so forth. And you know, there's places you should still go in the world where the water is very clear, um, but. But most of them are contaminated and to some extent. And, uh, and, and, and by the way, they do need some bacteria for the fish and stuff in it to grow, really. So, you know, it can be too clean. Um, but anyway, be that as it may, this is a pure river of water of life. It says it's clear as crystal. Everything about it is, and about this city, as we saw in chapter 21, is pure, it's uncontaminated, it is clear. For example, in chapter 21, verse 11, it says, And having the glory of God, talking about the Holy New Jerusalem, having the glory of God, and her light was like unto stone most precious, even like jasper stone, clear as crystal. And again in verse 18, The building of the wall of the city of it was of jasper, and the city was pure gold, like unto clear glass. Verse 21, Twelve gates were twelve pearls, every several gate was of one pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold, as it were, transparent glass. Now, I have never seen this close gold. But I've seen pictures of gold. And what I've seen is not clear. You can't see through it. But this, this is describing pure gold, clear as transparent, as transparent as glass. You know, everything God does... Even creation, when he, after he created everything, and, and, you know, and, and, and when he was done, he said, Behold, it was very good. God does things perfectly because he's a perfect God. Even his words, we're going to see, is a perfect book. Uh, and so we see this pure river. You know, it's clear as crystal, and it flows out of the throne of God, it says. Now, when we know from chapter 21, there's going to be no seas. It says there's no more sea. But there's this pure river of water of life. And again, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to try and speculate what all that means, but, but, but point out this, that what God makes and what comes from God is pure. Uh, we, we see also uh, a tree of life that has life-yielding and, and, and healing properties in verse 2. In the midst of the street of it, talking about the city, and either side of the river, was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month, and the leaves of the trees were for the healing of the nations. So this is, a, you know, we, we, of course we remember uh, there was a tree of life in the Garden of Eden, which, uh, <clears throat> of course, would have been uh, removed or destroyed during the flood, but, God, of course, God prevented uh, Adam and Eve from eating in that tree, lest they would live forever in their sin, and that was an act of mercy in barring them from going back into the garden and eating that tree. So, but, but here, this tree of life, and it says it's on either side of the river. So from, from what the description here, it sounds like it's a vine-type tree, not just, you know, as we know, a tree, a single tree, or, or it's, a, it's a group of trees. 
but it's different in that it says it bears 12 manners of fruits. And it yields her fruit every month. You know, we have to wait for every season to come around for things to yield their fruit once a year. But no, this is a tree that's continually yielding fruit. And its leaves, its leaf have, leaves also have healing or life-giving properties. It says the leaves of the trees were for the healings of the nations. And of course, there's going to be nations go into the to into eternity, uh, the, the sheep nations. And, and so... Uh, these, these, this tree has life-giving or healing uh, properties to it. Again, God is life. God is life. Uh, he is life, John 1, 1, 1, 1 tells us. Uh, we see also <clears throat> that this is going to be an incorruptible world. Notice in verse 3, And there shall be no more curse. But the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. Now we know that where God dwells, sin can't dwell. And the Bible says here there's going to be no more curse. You know, the earth is corrupted by the curse of sin. And the more sinful people live, the more corruption and decay there is. And death. You know, think about the third world, what's called third world countries. Why are they third world? You know, it's interesting, when Gary Forney was teaching a class on anthropology in a missions course one time, he said there's no such thing as primitive societies. He said they're degenerate societies. In other words, they are generations from God. They have been so long without God that they have become what the world calls primitive. Because when people come to understand God, guess what happens? They become civilized. They become, they're no longer third world. They, they prosper. And, and you know, because you know, the Bible principles bring life. They bring abundance. They bring prosperity. Bible principles do. Uh, so, so, you know, the, the, but, it, but, and so the further, the more corrupt, or the further the, uh, nations are from God, or people groups are from God, the more, the more corruption and decay and death there is. You know, think of places like India and Africa, and uh, even a lot of Muslim nations. Uh, you know, education is, is limited in many of those places. You know, the Engelharts were talking to us, telling us about uh, the deaf school. They, they started there for a school there for some deaf people. And, and a lot of them, children that come are Muslims because the Muslims don't know what to do with them. Well, you know, it's kind of common sense to us. You educate them. You know, they can be educated. They can become working people just like everyone else if you educate them. But see... They're blinded through the ignorance that is in them, as Romans chapter 1 tells us. But in this world, it's an incorruptible. There's no curse. No curse of sin. No temptation to sin. No inclination to sin. 
You know, our natural tendency is to do that which is wrong. It's so like Brother Hoyle was saying in Sunday school this morning about the uh, hotel that put a sign up. No fishing off the balcony. And guess what happened? People started fishing off a hotel balcony. You know, and they had, they had real so problems. You know how they stopped it? They took the sign down. You know, people just like to do, to push their, their boundaries and do what they're not supposed to do. That's human nature. That's we human beings. But in this world, there'll be no inclination to sin. And there'll be no curse. It's an incorruptible world. If you notice in verse 27 of chapter 1, it says, And there shall no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh lie, but they were written in the Lamb's book of life. So, this reminder of you know, this, this city and this paradise, as we see here, eternity, future, reminds us of the righteousness and the purity of God. But we also see there's, a, there's required a righteous standard for the churches. Now, this, this book is written to the churches. Uh, you know, verse, notice verse 16, I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. So this, this book is written to the churches, and there's a, there's a righteous standard for the churches that is upheld here in verses 8 through 16. Now let's look at several of them. First of all, there's to be the true worship of God. If you notice in verse 9, it says, Then saith he unto me, See thou do it not. For I am thy fellow servant of thy brother and thy prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book. Worship. God. You know, John was, you know, he was so overcome by everything that he had seen and heard and the vision he had seen that he was, he went, he fell down at the feet of this messenger and the messenger said, don't do it. You worship God. You worship God. In other words, you're to worship the true and living God. The God of the Bible, Jehovah God, is revealed to us here in verse 9. He's the Trinitarian God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. You know, these three are co-equal, co-eternal, co-essential. He is the creator of all things, and he created it all in six days. That's the God we're to worship. And, of course, he has revealed himself in his Son, to mankind, in his Son, Jesus Christ. And, and we come to this God, or we worship this God, or we enter into relationship with him through his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, by or through repentance and faith. Notice verses 11 through 16 where he says, He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man according as his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments." that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and adulterers and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. And I, Jesus, sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and offspring of David and the bright and morning star. So we have to come to him through, and he clearly identifies the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, he said, I'm Jesus, I'm the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. I'm, I'm the, I'm the uh, 
firstborn. And so, you know, we have to come to the Lord Jesus Christ, through God, through, through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, by repentance and faith. Of course, repentance means there needs to be a change of mind, which basically means we have to come to agreement with God about who He is, who we are. The unrepentant are described here. The filthy dogs. The filthy and the, the unjust. And he calls them dogs, sorcerers. You know, dogs, by the way, dogs in the Bible, the word dog here, the meaning of it is of impure, um, of impurity, and it's often used as a reference to sodomy or to sodomites. So there's, you know, there's, there's the impurity there in reference to sodomy. And so he said, but without, without, you know, outside the churches are to be the dogs, the sorcerers, that which pertains to the magical arts and drugs, whoremongers, first to fornication, prostitution, murderers. Uh, and of course, you know, when you know what Jesus said about anger, if you're angry with your brother, you're in danger of the judgment. Uh, and idolaters, those who worship or put anything before God. Now think about these things and look at the things that are prevalent, sins that are prevalent in our world today. The world is, is, is falling for sodomy and gender equality and all this stuff, you know. And, and, uh, and you, know, you know, every... Every time you turn around, they, have, they come up with a new gender identity. And I saw one the other day, and, and I can't even remember what it's called. It's, just, it's, it's, it's something to do with you're your intellectually attracted to one another. Sapiosology, or something, I forget what it's and It just sounds sappy to me, you know. But uh, it's so silly, it's ridiculous. Uh and you notice that two of these things that are mentioned here have to do with uh, sexual perversion, dogs and whoremongers. Of course, the otherness, the otherness sorcery pertains to magical arts and drugs. The drugs are involved there. Um, and, so, and, and that's a, that's a, a real a big thing today. It's, it's common. Um, there's uh, also murderers. You know, look at society. People are just angry. They're mad about things they don't really know what. Well, they're just mad. Blaming people for things that they, they just state things, but they can't really explain why they're upset. They just throw out things like, Trump needs to be impeached because he's obstructed justice. Okay, give me an example. You hear that all the time. You know, he's obstructed justice, but they never say what that obstruction of justice is. And they're just mad at, at him. And, 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 but that's the way the world is. And, of course, their idolatry is worship or putting anything before God. You know, covetousness is idolatry, and we, we certainly live in a very covetous world where they lust after evil things. And then, then notice it says this, Whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. The word lie here is a conscience, and a lie is a conscience and intentional falsehood. And this particular one's exhibited for the treacherous purpose of deceiving men. You 
You know, Romans one twenty five says, Who changed the truth of God into lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. So they changed the truth of God into a lie. And, and 2 Thessalonians 2.9 says, Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. If you make God to fit your own wants and desires, you are making a lie that you love. And that describes every false religion and every false profession. Your false religion is built on deception. You're one of the things that they often told us when teaching like a cults class or something like that, and, 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 and you find it's true when you study these false religions is when they're recruiting their converts, they never tell them they never tell them everything. They get them hooked first before they tell them these strange or weird things that go along with it. For example, Mormonism. They don't tell you right out front that God is out there having little spiritual babies. That's why you need to have many wives and have many children so that these, your, 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 those spiritual babies will have bodies to be born into. Or they will not tell you that Jesus and Satan were really brothers. And that you know, and and uh, Satan kind of did the right thing, and 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 you know, and, and disobeying God, and you know, they never tell you that kind of stuff, or they don't ever tell you about the history of the men who founded their religions. Somebody said, if you want to make a Jehovah's Witnesses upset, just call them a Russellite, because they don't really particularly care for. Charles Taze Russell anymore. He was the guy that started it. Uh, but, but they're built upon deception and lies. They give you parts of the truth and then mix it with error. And this is those who loveth and maketh a lie. And it's a source, think of it, it's a source of covetousness of money, of making, making money. Some of the wealthiest organizations in the world. The wealthiest organization in the world is the Catholic Church. Hands down. Mormonism is not far behind. And so we have to come to him through repentance. And, and then we have, we have to have faith. Uh, we need to believe or put your trust, your dependence on the Lord Jesus Christ for eternal life. Notice verse 9 again says, See thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant of thy brethren, the prophets, and of them that keep the sayings of this book. Worship God. Verse 12, he says, Behold, I come quickly. My reward is with me to give every man according to his work shall be. I am Alpha. In other words, you, the God you worship is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. That's who the true God is. And we have to come to him by faith. You know, 1 John, we read the other night, 1 John 4 and verse 2 tells us that not every spirit, we're not to believe every spirit, but try the spirits whether they be of God. 
because many false prophets are going out into the world. And hereby we know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And in chapter 5, whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begot loveth him also that is begotten of him. And verse 5 says, But who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. You know, when Philip, when the eunuch asked Philip, What must I do? Uh, what doth hinder me to be baptized? And, and Philip said, If thou believest all in the heart, my ass. He said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He is the Son of God. Romans 1 4 says, He declared to be the Son of God with power. You know, Jesus said, uh, in John, John, that before Abraham I was. In Revelation 1.8, he describes himself as the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and last, the Almighty. And so a good question to ask people is if they, if, about their salvation, uh, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Do they believe in a biblical Jesus? And notice what verse 14 says. I want you to draw your attention to verse 14. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they might have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates in the city. Now you may say, well, wait a minute, preacher. We aren't saved by doing. What does that mean? Well, look, at it's, it's wording like Matthew 7 and verse 21. Matthew 7, verse 21. <clears throat> This is why it's important that you read your Bible. Familiarize yourself with the Bible because the Spirit of God uses the Word of God. He compares spiritual things with spiritual, Scripture with Scripture, to give you a right understanding into the truths of the Word of God. So he says, Blessed are they that do His commandments. They They have right to the tree of life. In other words, they have authority to go to the tree of life. In Matthew 7, verse 21, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. There it is again. He that Jesus said, the the one that's going to go to heaven is the one that does the will of my Father. Now, so what is the will of the Father? I'm glad you asked. John 6, 40. John 6, 40. John chapter 6 and verse 40. Jesus tells us what the will of the Father is. John 6, 40, 39, 40 says, And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. See, the will of the Father is that everyone that sees, that understands who I am, that's talking about perception there, and believes, puts their faith and trust, their dependence upon me, will have everlasting life. That is the will of the Father. That's what he's, when he says, it, we're doing his commandment. His comm- it, by the way, we are commanded to repent. Paul said, he hath commanded all men everywhere to repent. That's what he told those at Athens. And so we are commanded to repent and, put our, and do the will of the Father. And the will of the Father is we put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior. 
And so, again, there's a, a, a required righteous standard. We are made righteous by him. To be part of his church, one of his churches. But I want you to notice a third thing here. There's, needs, there's to be a righteous regard for the word of God. Notice verse 17. And the spirit and the bride say, come. Let him as hear us say, come. Let him as a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. For I testify on every man that heareth the words of the prophets of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. If any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. Now, there's to be a righteous regard for the word of God. And this is shown, I believe, by, by several ways. First of all, it's shown by obedience to the word of God. You know, verse 17 says, The spirit and the bride say, Come. And, of course, the Spirit is referring to the Holy Spirit. The bride there is referring to the churches. That's us. And so the Spirit of God uses His churches, His people, to be witnesses to telling others about the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, Matthew four nineteen, Jesus said, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Of course, Acts 1, 8, But ye shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part, of the earth. And of course Acts 8 4 says they went everywhere, they were scattered abroad, went everywhere, preaching the word. So when when the persecution came to the church at, at Jerusalem, they many of them were, were driven out, many of the church people, not you know, all the pastoral staff stayed. Everybody was driven away except the apostles, the Bible says. And they went everywhere preaching the gospel, telling others about Christ. And there was a proliferation of churches started. And so we're to say, we're to invite people to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, so we're to be a witness. We're also to live a life that glorifies the Lord. The spirit and the bride say come. Now, I think the word bride is on purpose. You know, the word of God is very specific. A bride always prepares for her wedding. She's always prepares. She's in preparation, anticipating that day. And we are to be in anticipation of our Lord's coming. You know, and we see here that he says that he's coming quickly. But look at 1 John chapter 3. And we see that, and, and how we are to be in preparation for our Lord's coming. First John chapter 3, verse 1, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. So as we're in anticipation for our Lord's coming, there ought to be a preparation that's taking place, a purification that's taking place in our life. In other words, we ought to be growing in a Christian life and, and, and endeavoring to be more pleasing unto the Lord, to be more like Christ. 
to live holy and acceptable in His sight. You know, Peter tells us, you know, we see references to this throughout the Bible. Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15 and 16, But as He which has called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it's written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And in chapter 2, and verse 9, Ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of Him who hath called you out of darkness into this marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works which they shall behold glorify God in the day of visitation. Now I guarantee you that Steve Ferguson's mother-in-law was willing to listen to Steve now because she's facing uncertainty. You know, when when people face uncertainty in their lives, they're going to look for hope. And they ought to see it in us. They ought to see a purpose in life, a reason for living, an assurance of life everlasting, exemplified by righteous living, by our good works. And so that you know, we, we show our regard for the Word of God by a life that glorifies the Lord. But it's also shown by a reverent preservation of his words. Verse 18 and 19 is a very stern and serious warning from the Lord in the last few verses of his word. And I want you to notice the words, the word, words. Verse 18, For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. If any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. Now, this is again a serious warning. It's like a neon sign saying, do not tamper with the words of God. Do not tamper. You know, God has promised to preserve His words. Not just His word, but His words. Psalm 12, 6 and 7. The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. And Matthew 24, 35, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. And the Lord gave this responsibility of keeping his words to his churches. To his churches. Now, you might say, well, how would they remember? Some of it wasn't written. When, you know, some of it, some of it they, they hadn't wrote it down yet while he was still on earth. 
Well, that's, again, I don't discount that the Bible is a miracle book. It is. But John 14, verse 26, we know that Peter tells the holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. That's referring to the Old Testament. But in John 14, verse 26, Jesus told his disciples this, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I said unto you. Notice, the Holy Spirit will bring everything to your remembrance that I told you. And you can pen it. You will pen it. In John 17, verse 8, he says, For I have given them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. By the way, that's where they get the name text receptus. It means received text. The, 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 the churches, the church, first church, received his words. And they were commanded to keep them. They were commanded to keep them. John 14 again, verse 23. And Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words. Notice again, it's words. It's not word, it's words. Because a lot of people say, oh, we have the word of God, we just don't have the words. God didn't promise to preserve his words, he just promised to preserve his word. In other words, he, they, what they're saying is that God promised to preserve his ideas and his thoughts. And it's up for us to interpret him. I was talking to a brother-in-law the other day. And uh, he's talking about a Christian counselor he was having a discussion with. And uh, he asked him about the Bible that he had given to my brother. He said, it's King James. He said, uh, okay. He said, well, he said, that's okay. But does he understand it? He said, yeah. He said, I understand it. My brother-in-law said, I understand it. And uh, he said, well, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, uh, uh, um, you know, discredit it, but he said, I just, I just, uh, you know, I'm non-denominational, and I, you know, I think that it, sometimes it can be easy understood in other versions, and, 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 and my brother-in-law said, he said, well, I'm kind of the independent Baptist stripe. He said, oh, you're one of those, huh? Um, but he, he gave the impression that some of the newer versions are easily understood. However, they're not the Word of God. They're interpretations. If you go to a preface of an NIV Bible, and I have one at home, it says, translate thoughts and ideas. That's not translation, that's interpretation. So they're telling you what they think God said. They're not telling you what... See, translation doesn't doesn't interpret. It just changes from one language to another what's there. But when these guys are making these modern versions, they're... They're, they're interpreting, the, they're, in, they're using interpretation to, we think God meant this. No, that's not translation. God gave his words, and we're to keep his words. The word keep here means to guard, observe, take care of. And for almost 2,000 years, the churches did so under persecution and confiscation of the words of God. 
I mean, the, the Albigenses and the Waldenses kept a pure line of the words of God. They had them in, in their own language. They translated them and had them in their own language. Others like William Tyndale and um, I'm trying to think of the man before him that translated also that they dug up his bones and burned them. Uh, John Wycliffe, yeah. They used, they had, you know, uh, you know even Martin Luther used the right text. This German Bible. But so for almost 2,000 years, the churches did this under persecution. But the last two or 300 years, men have turned to pride of scholarship with their rejection of the miraculous and the pursuit of mammon. And now we've got a multiplicity. I, in fact, I just I checked something on the internet tonight, and it says there are 80,000 different versions of the Bible now. I can't, I can't imagine that. But that's, what, that's what the internet, that's what they say. Um, but it's, it's all about pride of scholarship and a pursuit of mammon, money. These new perversions or interpretations have been pushed by unregenerate publishing houses. Do you know the Bible has been the bestseller for years? And, you know, that's without question. So why wouldn't a publishing house want to sell the Bible? And guess where many Bibles are being printed? China. Communist China. by a printing company called Amity Printing. Began operating in 1987, but the Bibles that Amity Printing initially printed were used, notice this, used to arrest underground church Christians. To buy Amity Bibles at the government-controlled three self-churches, that's government-controlled church in China, the only places where Amity Bibles were and still are sold, they were made to show identification and or tailed until their underground churches were discovered and its members were arrested. And this article is quite eye-opening. You know, they, Amity, by the way, is owned by United Bible Society. I'll say about, more about them in a minute. But, they bragged or boasted about how that 80% of their Bibles were being sold in China. However, the reality is that 35, only 35% were. Far shy from 80. And Amity's printing, currently world-leading annual printing capacity of 18 million Bibles, confers massive... Economies of scale, which make Amity also the world's lowest cost Bible printer, even without United Bible Society's donations of the paper for the Bibles. And the article goes on to say, quote, the Bibles are sold only after services at three self-churches, again, those are government-run churches, where surveillance cameras are aimed at entrances, Bible sale counters and offering boxes. Instead of tailing Christians, the Chinese Communist government now uses face recognition technology and big data to record who attends churches, gives offerings, and buys Bibles, which are still used as bait to identify and track Christians. 
When foreign Christians purchase Amity Bibles to give to poor Chinese Christians, even three self-church Christians, their prices are often raised substantially. And all these Chinese, all Chinese Bibles printed by Amity are inaccurate translations of the original text, and they are about to become even more inaccurate, and this time with intent. And it says to see another article. Unquote. By the way, United Bible Societies is the, is the people that print the Greek text that Eric Chapman used to use, started using, was using when he started translating the Bible into Lithuanian. And after he was doing that for a few years, he, he got, a, got a notice or he read that they were going to update the translation. He said, wait a minute, now what am I going to do? If they're going to update their translation, that means they're going to change it. So I've got to start over or go back and make all these changes in my translation of Lithuanian? And then he said, I thought the Bible didn't change. You know what? The Bible doesn't change. It doesn't change. God doesn't change, and neither does his word. And you might think it's far-fetched that God can use men to preserve his word, but God used a, a maiden, a virgin woman, to conceive his son. God can do anything he wants. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1. Verse 23. 1 Peter 1, 23. It says, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is a flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever, and this is the word by which by the gospel is preached unto you. He says, we are born again by incorruptible seed, the word of God. It's not capable of corruption. And God here in this last few verses of the Bible gives a very strong warning to those who tamper with his words. You know, there's a verse, I think it's in Psalm 138. Psalm 138, I think it's verse 2 or verse 3. That Psalm 138, verse 2 says, I will pray, worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy love and kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Now, what was the penalty for taking God's name in vain in the Old Testament? It was death. A guy cursed, took the Lord's name in vain, and they came to the Lord and said, what should we do? He said, you take him out and stone him. And God says, I have magnified my word above my name. And Revelation tells us, if you mess around with the word of God, and you don't regard it as it is the incorruptible word of God, you're going to end up 
eternal death. They say, oh, wait a minute, preacher. Read what it says. What does it say? He says, he says, if, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. The people that are going to receive the plagues in this book are the lost. Those that refuse to repent and put their faith and trust in Christ are going to be plagued with the plagues of this book. Verse 19, if any man take away from the words of the prophet of this book, God shall take his part out of the book of life. What's in the book of life? It's our names. And if your name's blotted out, you're going to hell. So this is a neon sign saying, don't mess my word. You receive it as it's given. Don't change it. Don't change it to suit yourself. You know, we can do that without, you know, some people just pick and choose what they want. You know, chapter 1 and verse 3 of this book says, Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. Again, keep those things which are written therein. You know, are you keeping his words? You know, we, need to have a, we need to have a righteous regard for this book, a reverence for this book. We're not just talking about any old book. It's a book of life changing power. It has power to give us life. It has power to bring death. You know, Joshua 1.8, the Lord told Joshua, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that's written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. And then thou shalt have good success. Joshua, you need to give high regard for this, the words of this law. You know, and Israel prospered all the days of Joshua. And the elders that outlived Joshua. Because they gave heed. You know, they would come back to camp. And you know what they'd do? They'd go back and read the law. They had, Joshua had high regard for the law of God. Was the key to his success and the elders that overlived him. You see, we need to have a reverence for the words of the living God. For by them we are going to be judged. And so this is a reminder. The righteousness of our God. Everything about him, from his word to his creation to the things he creates... To our salvation, it's all about His righteousness. We've been made righteous by Him. And we need to be a witness and testimony for Him to an unrighteous and filthy world.